It's like weird being on the other side. I'm so used to being the interviewer. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's weird being the yeah. interviewee. <laughs> now you get to now the spotlight is on you. Now you're oh, the one getting asked the questions. Oh no. <laughs> um, rest assured, there's no ulterior. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I just remember when I was taking a journalism class and we had to like write profiles on other people, and like the teacher was like. You guys need to find something. <laughs> and it has to be something revealed. Yeah, that was like scary to me. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's how you get people just making stuff up. You know, just like yeah. I need to find something, so let me yeah. just stitch this together. Yeah. 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 Creating a story out of truly nothing. Yeah, that's scary. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> Literally fake news. Um, yeah. Oh, welcome back to We Love That. I'm Kenyon Duncan. I'm Jerome Walker, and this week we're taking a a step out of the musical and into the visual. Yes, yes, yes. And we're being led by the amazing and wonderful Isis Davis Marks. Um, Kenyon, <laughs> as I always say, we have an iconic guest. <laughs> I mean, we only, I think, have iconic guests on this show. And, uh, I mean, this guest today <laughs> is right in line with that. <laughs> uh, with that, I would agree. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's Isis Davis-Marks. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it is truly our pleasure. We are, I know, just kind of to <laughs> to dive right in, mm-hmm. that Kenny and I are people who, like, do a lot of music. We do a lot of, like, sound art creation making. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so we always are like, anyone who does any sort of creation that is not that, we're like, literally, you're amazing. How do you do it? That's right, superhuman. Right. Can you explain it? What's going on? <laughs> Thank you. But I'm amazed by, like, what you guys do. It's, like, like the same is true from me to you because, like, I see music people and I'm just, like, what's going on? <laughs> I have no musical talent. I'm tone deaf. Like, <laughs> you remember when we used to, like, sing the songs? Like, I just would not. <laughs> I cannot wow. sing songs. <laughs> You know. <laughs> well, we won't make you sing today. Um, well, can you scratch that from me? Oh, I should take that off the list. I should. Um, okay, no singing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. So we'll we'll just skip right to item two. Yeah. Um, Isis, can you tell us a little bit, just to, you know, as an introduction to folks who don't know you, who may not be familiar? Um, what? How do you like? Do you? 
do you have like an elevator pitch for yourself? Like if someone's like, so what do you do? Like, what, what do you say to them? How do you answer that question? Um, I don't know. Like a part of me wants to do like the quirky, like Twitter bio thing. And I'm like, I eat or, you know, something silly like that. But I mean, I'm just like, I, I write, I make art, um, like, those are, like, my professional things, but I also, like, do yoga and cook and try to take walks, that sort of thing. But I'm just figuring it out. Like, I feel like I'm in my 20s, and I just like to make things with my hands. That makes sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The the making, the physicalness of it, Yeah, I love. Um, I've been, I keep talking about this on the podcast and I'll never stop talking about it. I've mm-hmm. recently picked up knitting. Yes. Um, and <laughs> just the, like, I have taken these balls of yarn and mm-hmm. turned them into a different thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, I did that with my hands. Yes. Um, which is part of how, like, the, uh, I, I don't know. I feel like as a musician that. Mm-hmm. it all is so like kind of ephemeral and like in the space and in the air. Right. That, uh, I, I never really often get to feel like I'm like actually creating something mm-hmm. um, because it like the, the real joy of it is happening like in the moment of it's being performed. And mm-hmm. most of the time that like, you know, working with music, it is not, being performed <laughs> that's just like the the vast minority of like what what's going on yeah yeah I mean I I saw the like it was like the hat and the scarves that you made for your family those looked really <laughs> cool um I saw those on Instagram <laughs> um but yeah I think that you know during the pandemic it's like I, you want to do something tactile um just to touch things and feel things because I feel like it's you know, touch is so lacking. We're not able to go outside and see people and do things in the same way. How, how is that, uh, what are you working on right now? Can I ask about that? Like, what um, is on, sure. I, what I'm is in just, your hands now? <laughs> I'm just working on this, like, embroidery. So I have, like, Zadie Smith's book. I don't know where I put the, oh, I put it over there, but I was just doing, like, a little like still life of, you know, like this book and it's just like a God's eye and like a, I guess like a little seashell. And I was also going to put like a CD on it. Um, But I've just like been experimenting a lot with like fibers um, and like making things with fibers, sort of like Jerome, like thinking about like knitting and like sewing things. And I feel like I used to paint and draw a lot, but recently I've just been like... I don't know. Like, there's just something about the fiber that makes me say, like, oh, I want to touch it because I'm not able to, like, interact with others or experience things in a way that I used to, like, before the pandemic. And I was, like, doing this one with, um, hold on. Like, I was doing, like, this one of, like, people, like, of my parents. Gorgeous. So I'm just working on those. Thank you. Wow. I mean, I feel like there's so much, um, like, repetitive motion in in working with fiber that way and doing embroidery, is that something that like draws you towards it or something that just kind of comes with the territory or? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that there is something like, I feel like I didn't have that much patience before 
this whole experience. Like, and that's something like I didn't, that's not like a way I would normally describe myself like before the pandemic. But I do feel like now, like after this, I think I'm realizing that I was like a really impatient person. Um, (laughs) I just wanted to sort of get things done and I wanted to feel like I had things done, but I wasn't necessarily like willing to sit down for like five hours and like do, you know, like really, because I feel like I was just like a very distracted person. And I also feel like living in New York as like a young person, like you want to go places, you want to see things, you want to you know, go out with, like, friends, and I don't know, there's just, like, a lot happening at once, and, like, it's not really incentivized to just sort of, like, sit down and, like, make and create. I mean, it was kind of different at Yale. I feel like at Yale, that was sort of lauded, like, people just, like, sitting down and doing their academic thing, but in New York, I feel like it's very much, like, go, 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 like, (laughs) yeah, like, run, and... <laughs> like everybody's clout chasing, you know, and I'm just like <laughs> I want to make the work now. Like I'm not I'm less concerned about like okay, well what is everybody else doing? This is what I want to do. Um hmm. yeah. Yeah, I I mean to put it in terms of clout chasing, just that like, you know, it wasn't not clout chasing at Yale. Yeah. Like that it wasn't that that wasn't part of it. It just is that, like, yeah. it is a different thing that's getting rewarded, right? Like, yeah. when you're in college, it's very cool to be like, I'm going to sit and focus on this and, like, yeah. you know, like look at this thing that I did with my brain. Like, I really <laughs> did this thing. It's very, like, that individual work kind of thing. Right. Um, and then, uh, you know, outside of college in uh, New York, wherever, like, that <laughs> the metrics become very different. And so, like, yeah. it's actually... All of a sudden, it's not cool to just be sitting inside, like, working on your art. Yeah. Like, now you have to, like, go out and see and be seen, etc. Yeah. And it's, like, it is cool to be sitting inside and, like, working on your stuff. But I also feel like, I don't know. I don't know how you felt about this, Kenyon. But, like, I feel like there was almost, like, a pressure to be seen or, like, to be seen at a certain event, right? <laughs> to like show up to something and I think that at Yale it was sort of like oh well you know like it it almost was I feel like the ethic was just sort of like you want to look like you're like accomplishing things right and like and it's okay to sit inside and do things but I also felt like there were like very specific like social markers of like success but in New York I felt like the social markers of success in New York were almost like more like visually driven like very much like a okay well where are you going on vacation what club are you able Mm -hmm. to get into like do you have to pay a cover are you on the list as opposed to Yale where it's sort of a like did you publish something or like are you in the whiff and poops right like (laughs) that sort of thing (laughs) and and chasing that legitimacy you know whatever whether it's at Yale whether it's in New York wherever is Something that I'm mm-hmm. also like loving being able to to not have to do as much of now that I get to be inside all the time. Um, yeah, and you know, I mean, it comes with all of, all of the, the the pandemic comes with all of its its horrors um, and like the lack of touch, like you were saying. Um, but it's also mm-hmm. giving me a lot of time to be like, who am I without all of these things, all of these other. Yeah. Cloud chasing mechanisms, these searches for legitimacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, I think. 
Well, I wanted to, you stepped us back to Yale, but I wanted to go back even further. And I'm just always curious about what people's kind of creative <laughs> origin stories are, um, or like your early mm-hmm. creative experiences or memories. Um, I'm curious what those were for you. Yeah, I guess. Thank you for asking. Um, yeah. And I know. Yeah. So I grew up in New York. I was born in Harlem and I grew up in the South Bronx, but I lived in Harlem until I was five. Um, and I'm actually still at my grandfather's house right now, um, which is where I sort of was born and grew up. And that is, you know, sort of in central Harlem. Uh, but I, I mean, I liked living in the Bronx, but I always, I have like an affinity for Manhattan. Like, I feel like I, like my loyalty is to Manhattan, but (laughs) like I always say I'm from, you know, Manhattan, even though like I grew up in the South Bronx, but I mean, the Bronx is cool too. Um, And, you know, like I, (laughs) I feel like it's a very like New York thing to be like, oh, this is like my borough, you know? Um, and I don't know. I also do feel like, you know, there is, yeah, like it's an important part of my upbringing, I think, just like growing up in the city and I can't really see myself living anywhere else, even though I do want to like travel and I miss traveling a lot. Um, I'll get to that part too, as I like sort of go chronologically in order, but, um, I did like growing up in the city I went to elementary school in East Harlem on the 109th between second and third. Um, it was a school called like the talented and gifted school for young scholars. And we all had to wear like red plaid uniforms. <laughs> and that was sort of insane. <laughs> but <laughs> like wow, me like running plaid. around in a little like a red lot. plaid skirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like that was nice and I liked it. And I feel like you know, there are a lot of black and brown people at the school. Um, so that was nice. But I feel like my schools just became sort of like progressively more white as I grew up. And like I went to public school until I got to college. But I was always like testing into schools because the New York City school system is crazy. Um and I was, like, taking tests since, like, age five to get into, like, these schools. Um, so I think that creates a certain sort of environment um and you know it's like both good and bad like now I'm also tutoring part-time so it's like I'm seeing the kids doing what I did and I'm telling them like this is what you need to do in order to go to certain and it's like weird because it's like not like I endorse that right but it's also just like a I don't know it's so I feel like you meet people like later in life and they just have like different educational experiences so that's something I'm really interested in like education and how that shapes someone's views of the world. Um, so, yeah, I mean, from a young age, I was always creating things. I, like, I was an only child. Like, my mom, like, routinely sort of took me to, um, like, different after-school programs at places like the 92nd Street Y. And then I would just sort of take, like, drawing classes and painting classes and ceramics classes and tap and ballet and, like, all of these other different things. And I tried music, but I clearly don't have <laughs> the musical gene. 
um, it did not work. Uh, but I always <laughs> have admired it, and I think about music a lot. But I can't. I just can't. <laughs> and, and you know, but I really thought I was going to be like a lawyer or a scientist. I went through a period in elementary school where I thought I was going to be a geologist. So I was just like really into rocks and minerals and studying rocks and minerals. And I was obsessed with that for a while. And then um, I went to a middle school that was for like engineering, science and math. Um, So I was doing a lot of like biology and earth science and stuff there and geometry. And then I also went to like a science high school. So I was like very into like STEM um, and also into like law and like logic type stuff and like drawing and painting. And, you know, like all that stuff was like a hobby for me. I didn't I didn't go into college thinking like I'm going to be a professional writer. Like I'm going to be a professional artist. I thought these aren't careers. Like (laughs) I'm going to be an EP and E major. Like I'm going to study ethics, politics, and economics and like just do debate and like do the political thing. And then I think the longer I sort of stayed in school and like when I eventually like went to Bronx science, which was my high school, it was just like so focused on math and science. And I would always do better in writing and humanities and I still would suppress certain parts of myself. And then like I went to college at Yale and it was like the longer time went on, like the less I was able to suppress certain parts of myself. And then I just ended up like writing and making art for a living. It was, it's just like a very, I feel like some people are just like, I knew from the beginning I was going to do this thing, but that was never true for me. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like there's, I mean, I had so much of, a similar experience in terms of like mm-hmm. starting off really big, like math science. Yeah. And because that was like the thing it was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're going to go somewhere, if you're going to do something, if you're going to get into a school, whatever, like yeah. you've got to be good at math. Like this is <laughs> where, mm-hmm. where we are told our students are falling behind is that, you know, American <laughs> kids can't learn fucking math and science. So for so long, it was like, yeah, like this is the thing to do. And I feel like I also kind of similarly had a, moment of like look if I'm gonna stick around at this place for all this time like it's not gonna be doing math like it's not gonna be doing that no Um, and and I feel like I also had a moment of like wait why don't I just do the thing that like I enjoy doing (laughs) like why not just like and you know I had to have that moment going from high school to college I had to have that moment several times in college Mm-hmm. Up until like senior year, and I continue to have that moment of like, yeah. Wait, no, I can just like, no, I should try to do the thing that I want to do instead exactly. of you know going off into these other branches. Yeah, and it's weird because it was never like my family said you can't do like a creative you know pursuit. Like they were like, they fostered it. Like my aunt taught me how to sew. I was like making my own clothes at like age five or age six, like on the sewing machine. Yeah. And like I was doing all that stuff and I was convinced I wanted to be like a fashion designer when I was like around 10 years old. And then, and I was like going to classes for it and everything. I was like, I really thought, oh, I'm going to go to Parsons or FIT or something like that. And for some reason, when I just got to like middle school and high school, I thought I must be serious, you know? And nobody really, I mean, I feel like my grandfather was sort of a like, you should, you know, do law or something like that. And I got pegged as a lawyer because I like to ask questions, but 
I don't think they were like, you must never do art. You know, it was like, it's really weird. I don't know. I guess it's like peer pressure in a weird way. (laughs) I don't know. What do you think, Kenyon? Did you like always know you wanted to sing or not? I mean, I always (laughs) have been singing, but... Mm I it definitely it take it, I'm still I echo both of you all I think in still needing to have those moments of like mm-hmm. okay well this is what I feel like I'm good at this is what I feel like I want to do and here's where my energy you know wants to go so stop messing with all that other stuff yeah <laughs> <Kenyan>. um, <laughs> but it's I mean it is tough and I I similarly I think had had a family that was mm-hmm. really supportive um, and. I, I come from a really musical family, so it's something that was always around. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think I, I, you know, I don't think I am still, I'm still learning how to, like, go after the things that are pleasurable. Um, and I feel like so, so often, um, you know, we get taught that, like, pleasure is scary and dangerous and bad. And I like... I like music. Mm-hmm. Music is pleasurable. So then those things get associated and yeah. that's not the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, also just like being like a dark skinned, like black woman, it's like, I mean, <laughs> like you see a certain sort of person like on Instagram or like making certain things. And I'm like, yeah, I don't look like Beyonce. Like, I don't like, I can't. <laughs> And I also think that, like, a lot of times with, like, Black creatives, like, to talk about music again, it's, like, a lot of times, like, the representation you see is, like, as a performer, right? Or, like, maybe Mm -hmm. it's, like, as an actress or something like that. And I think I was, like, always sort of more, like, well, I'm kind of interested in visual art and, like, writing and, you know? And, like, you have some people who are, like, represented as that, but, like, it's not, like... I don't know. There's this, like, weird dialogue, I think, too, like, when you think about... Not that there's one form of Blackness, right? But, like, you think about the people who are, like, famous, like, Black creators, and it's, like, a certain image usually comes to mind, for sure, for me. For sure. Yeah. And I think also, I mean, we've talked before about how... I think something that has developed more recently is the idea of... um, just that what, you know, black stories, what being black looks like and like what black media has to look like has, Mm -hmm. I think, really evolved um, from a place where, you know, I think 20, 30 years ago Mm -hmm. to have a lot of, you know, black creators, black actors, black stories that were like uh, mainstream was really great. And there wasn't a lot of attention paid to like, okay, well, they're all either about like, poor people living yeah. currently or they're about slaves or they're about Martin Luther King. Like those are like the, the only options. Um, and that it took us a while to like figure to it, that now we have gotten to a place where it feels more like, Oh no, the, the actual real authentic thing is not just, Oh, there are black people on the screen yeah. in the stories that like they're allowed to be in, but that, you know, that the identity of it reaches into everything that like, even though a thing that that I am creating is not like, and mm-hmm. this is what it's like to be black. Like there is part of that in it because you know I I don't know what it is like to not be black. I can't create mm-hmm. anything outside of blackness because that's who I am. That's that's where I am. Yeah, um, yeah. 
Exactly. And, like, I want to be able to, like, be myself without feeling like I need to be, like, explicitly political all the time. You know, like, there's this weird narrative now where it's, like, you must, like, you know, like, I still feel, I don't feel like we're at a place where we can say, like, that pressure, you know, doesn't exist. Because even though it's changed and it's progressed, and I'm super glad that we've changed and progressed, like, I don't think everything is, like, linear. Um, Right. And I think that also, like, we look at, okay, like, who is, you know, yeah, I think that we have a long, a long way to go and a lot to think about. (laughs) Um, And clearly with the pandemic, like, a lot of people are struggling. And I don't think it's just, like, a question of, like, you know, black or white or brown or, like, whatever. Like, I just think that. Obviously, like, I have a certain degree of, like, privilege. And, like, I hate saying that phrase because I feel like it's so overwrought. And, like, I hate the word Mm. problematic. And I hate all of these things that everyone says. And I think that they've been said so much that they almost lack any meaning. But, yeah, I know I'm inside. Like, I know that, like, I have certain things, right? And, like, my experience is not going to be everybody else's experience, too. I don't know. As you create during this pandemic um are there are there black artists out there that you're like oh they're doing something that i love or (laughs) you know forms of representation where you do see yourself um people whose careers you do kind of look look at and and say oh i see i see myself there Mm -hmm. maybe yeah i mean i i've been thinking about um adrian piper a lot she's this um She's this, like, writer, academic, um, artist person. Um, and she, like, left the the States to go to Berlin. And she just, like, makes art and studies philosophy and writes, which is, like, those are, like, all my things. <laughs> and she, yeah, sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, and she, like, makes art about race. And um, a lot of it has to deal with, like, representation and like I mean it I guess a key difference though is that she is like a lot like lighter skin than me um so like there are like some of her pieces that explicitly have to do with people like mistaking her for being a white person um so like Um, yeah for example she made these like cards and she called them calling cards and she would hand them out to people and they basically said like um you know, like, you might have mistaken me for being white, but I'm black. Like, that racist remark you made makes me feel really uncomfortable. Um, so she basically called people out for, like, saying racist things around her because they thought that she was white. Um, so I thought that that was, yeah. It was, like, it was, I'll send it to you guys, too. It was, like, a really powerful piece. Um, and, like, she had this retrospective at the MoMA, like, a couple years ago. Um, where they just sort of, like, went through all of her work. And she did another piece where, like, she had this thing called, like, funk lessons. And she basically invited a bunch of white people into her room to, like, dance funk and disco. And then, like, on the screen, there are these words flashing saying, white people can't dance. (laughs) 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 It's just really funny to me. (laughs) Wow, wow. But I'm obsessed with her. <laughs> I want, I want a ticket. Like I want to see. Like I'd like to be there. <laughs> yeah, she's hilarious. <laughs> um, um, yeah. 
when you're thinking about creating art around race, I mean, part part of this, mm-hmm. again, comes from, like, you get to create in a really different way than, like, what I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're... I guess when you're when you're thinking about creating a piece, when you're thinking about you know creating art about about race, is it something that like I am very interested in like the creative process of that? Is it like like you when you're talking mm-hmm. about embroidery, you're like I really like you know touching it and feeling it, and like that really draws me to it. Mm-hmm. Um, is is there a formula? Does it start with like, here's an idea or here's what I want the final thing to look like, or here's what I want it to say. And how do I go about doing that? Like, what is, mm-hmm. what, what is that process like? For me, I guess it's, it's still a thing I'm really trying to work through because I feel like I just do so many like disparate things. I'm still trying to figure out like, how do I find balance? How does everything square together? Yeah. Um, Like, how do I like, how do I like navigate different forms of creating is something I'm thinking about a lot. Um, Especially because like, yeah, I think the question is a good one about like, well, what do I think like when I go into a piece, like how do I create something? Um, I think I've just been thinking a lot about objects and things that are around me. Um, So I've been making a lot of work about that, which is why I said like I'm working on like a still life because I feel like I'm just surrounded by my books all the time and um, I'm surrounded like by like my incense and like other things that I just like sort of use every day. And for some reason before, I never really thought that it was like legit for me to make art about like my everyday life because I also feel that like as a black person and as a black woman, you're just sort of told like, oh, this is not interesting. <laughs> but now I'm just sort of yeah. at the point where I'm just like, screw it. Like, I'm going to do what I want. Um, <laughs> and I think that like before I was always sort of like, screw it, I'm going to do what I want. But I also think that I was just sort of subconsciously very influenced by the world around me. And like, I don't know how true it is, but like, I am a Pisces. Like, that's a mutable sign. <laughs> like, I like oh supposedly. God, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Look at us all. Mutable signs. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I just kind of feel like the world has an influence on me, and I wasn't even fully aware of it. So now I just feel like because I'm not, like, around people all the time, I can just sort of explore. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, 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 it's like I'm also, like, writing a lot, too, and I think that, like, when you're when you have an assignment from someone, or like when you have a commission, like the feel of it is a lot different. Like, mm. I'm sure you got. I I would be curious to hear what you guys have to say too. Like, as musicians, but like, I'm sure that like when you're creating in your house and you're just sort of doing something, maybe that feels different than like working with like a producer or like performing in front of someone. Um, So, like, I'm trying to, like, really keep that boundary between, like, my own personal art and writing practice and, like, making art and writing for other people. And I guess it's also interesting because, like, I feel like I'm writing a lot about art, but I'm also trying to create art. So it's, like, as a critic, I kind of feel like I'm I'm getting an idea of, like, okay, well, how do people think about X, Y, and Z thing? Um... And it's been really good because it's, like, I get to speak to a lot of artists about, like, what is their practice? Like, what do they do? Like, how do they do it? Like, what's your 
art process, like, and just sort of, like, hearing about all the time that they sort of just spend alone in their room, like, makes me feel like, oh, yeah, like, this is something that's totally okay to do. (laughs) (laughs) But it's also just, like, uh, I I sort of feel like uh, it's, 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 for some reason, like, it's helped me think about, okay, like, I don't have to do what everybody else is doing. I can just sort of do what I feel like doing and that's okay too. (laughs) I don't know. Like everybody like hypes up Sylvia Plath, right? And like, they're just sort of like, oh, look at this like angsty, like white female writer. (laughs) But like you think about like black female writers and like, I don't think anybody really falls into that bucket, you know? Like there's not really that space. Like Toni Morrison is not, definitely not that. Angela Davis is definitely not that. And Alice Walker is definitely not that. And, like, there are so many other Black female writers, but I feel like, I don't know, like, I I feel like there's almost this expectation that, like, as a Black writer or Black artist, everything has to be so serious all the time. And now I'm giving myself the freedom sure. to be, like, why can't I make a still life like a white female painter? Like, I want to do that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, particularly as you're talking about the still life, I just am thinking about, I have recently been thinking about this, honestly, as it refers to, as it involves with like teaching classes and Mm -hmm. classes where like teaching a music listening class where I get to design the curriculum. So anything Mm -hmm. that we're listening to, it's like, well, I've decided that we're going to listen to this because I think there's something important about it. Right. Um, And in like practicing teaching and figuring out who I am as a teacher, getting really comfortable in accessing that like like mm-hmm. I have the, like students are going to be interested in this if I am and if right. I can convince like convince them and convey to them like here's what's mm-hmm. really interesting about this like here's what we're going to talk about here's what we're going to dig into then like they're going to do that because that is I I have set up that like that is the thing that's interesting and I think that there also is I I am I was noticing myself as you were were talking about uh, you know, working with still life, mm-hmm. that there is there is nothing about like visual art that is that is inherently like interesting or is inherently like, oh, this is the thing that like is worthy of being the subject, right? Yeah. It's just like someone who was making it decided, hey, I like this and so I'm gonna paint it or I'm gonna stitch it or I'm gonna sculpt it or whatever. And then that's that's what we had. Like mm-hmm. we, the audience, uh, the consumers of art, were like, "Okay, this is the art that you're giving us." Like, all right, this is. It. I guess we find this interesting, and like, let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, and that there is, <laughs> yeah, just that there's there is so much control in in terms of like, you know, once you kind of liberate yourself from thinking that there's not like, oh well, I've got to find the specific thing that like is worthy of being elevated or talked about in this way. Mm-hmm. It's like no, you can do whatever you want, and like. Yeah. If the people want art, like, well, here it is. Here's some art. Like, enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Well, as you are are exploring these things, like, what ideas or mm-hmm. or what inspirations do you feel like? Oh, I take this to, you know, my visual art practice versus my writing art practice. Like, what? How do you make that mm. distinction? What draws you to those different mediums? Yeah, and I guess that that's a good question. I think that um, 
I guess this is also what I was trying to say, too, about, like, not trying to stress out so much about process. It's just, like, I just feel like I'm just getting to a point where things are just sort of, like, blending into each other. Um, And I'm just sort of, like, I feel like I'm just, like, a vulture. Like, I'm just, like, taking from a lot. I'm just, like, on the internet all the time. I'm just, like, looking at things, reading things, exploring things. (laughs) And I'm just, like... I mean, I feel like, obviously, like, we're, like, Gen Z millennial cusp, right? So, like, we grew up using the internet, right? Like, we grew up, like, on, like, all of these sites. And I was always that person who was on all of these sites. But I also do feel like I went outside a lot and I talked to people a lot. And, like, I had some friends who were, like, deep into it, right? Like, deep into Tumblr, just, like, very deep into, like, the whole, like, blogging culture, like, chat roulette type culture. And I I was, like, not that person who was, like, like up to here, right? In that <laughs> I would just sort of, like, get on, like, yeah, like, obviously I'd get on for, like, six hours a day or whatever. Like, I would just be online. <laughs> but, like, I feel like there were just those people I knew who I, and I had friends and they would just all, like they would really be online like on the reddit threads and everything and now i feel like i am becoming that person who's just like fully online <laughs> <laughs> and i don't know how i feel about that but i think it's also because like i was lucky enough to have like the opportunity to like go around do things i like to walk i like to read a lot keep things varied but now we're just inside, so. <laughs> I was certainly, I was very much a Tumblr kid. I was the, like, and it's so funny that you said, I feel the same way. You said, um, mm-hmm. you know, you weren't that deep into it. You were still online six hours a day, but yeah. that wasn't that deep. <laughs> yeah. Like, there were people who were even deeper. Yeah. Like, I would say this, like, I think that I was never, like, too deep into, mm-hmm. like, online fandom like right i mean the the thing that i was the deepest fan of in my life truly was glee when yeah. i was in <laughs> you know middle school and high school um and i had people that i could talk about it with in person and so mm-hmm. i didn't have to be like you know i wasn't only looking to the internet for that yeah. that being said i said tumblr used to have a post limit you could only post 200 things a day yeah. and i stayed hitting the post limit like i was like sitting on tumblr like reblogging like so many things that, like, yeah, I just, I was there. I yeah. was the Tumblr kid. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I miss old Tumblr. Like, I, I love yeah. old Tumblr. Like, I just, I feel like social media is so corporate right now. You know, like, yeah. everything is an ad. All the influencers are trying to sell you something. But before, it was just sort of like, well, people could get online. And I kind of almost wish, like, in retrospect, that I had been more online then. Mm. Because I don't Mm. think we're going to get it back. (laughs) It's just gone. Yeah. It feels so different. Like, there's—I don't think there is anything like that. I don't know. And part of it is that we were kids, and so, like, that's what it feels like when you're a kid. But, like— just something about like going on to Facebook and posting like you know who is in Miss Saunders history class? What's the homework? And like yeah. other people like would be there on Facebook and like would reply. It almost yeah. feels like you know like '90s chat room. Like it, it feels almost goofy to talk about it in that way. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm just now I'm, it's like really taking me back because now I remember all the Facebook groups. I remember AOL, like instant messenger, like remember yes. AIM, like yes. all of that. <laughs> and it's almost like now that I'm inside, I just want that internet back. You know, like I right. just like it's like I try to get on Reddit, you know, like I try to like recreate that for myself. And I think that YouTube out of all the spaces is like one of the safer ones because I don't feel like it's a performance thing. It's just like I'm going on and I'm watching videos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like I feel like Instagram does not foster that sense of community because it's just like you post your story. Someone might respond to your story. You might you know, DM someone, you'll post something, you'll interact with someone, but it's like created so that it's like very individualist, right? Like, but whereas like the old Facebook was sort of like, let's talk on the group, like, and I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Even like the, the, I was thinking the other day, like even in college, like Facebook events were still really a thing. And there was like interested culture versus going versus Mm -hmm. not going versus like having seen the invitation, but not replying to it. Um, And that, yeah, I mean, just that Facebook has so quickly become like, I want nothing to do with this. (laughs) I don't want to be here. Like, I don't want to talk to these people. Um, Yeah. God, bring back the old Internet. Seriously. Wow. Yeah, especially now. <laughs> right. I want the old internet back and like just watching these trials of like Zuckerberg and like, you know, just like yeah. all of these people. Like it's just it's scary. <laughs> yeah. Elon Musk is the richest man in the world. <laughs> and he's going out with grimes. And- <laughs> <laughs> like, what is I'll going on? I'll never understand that. <laughs> I'll just Me never either. understand. <laughs> <laughs> like that's deeply fan fiction. Like yeah. that's like in Watchmen when Robert Redford is the president. Like that's what right. feels, that's oh what God. this is. Like. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I wake up every day and I'm just like, this isn't real. Like, but it is. <laughs> it, oh, it is. <laughs> time doesn't it's feel not real, real. But it is. it's like very i'm not like one of those people who's like oh it's not real i'm gonna like run outside with like no like i i'm not doing that i just mean it's like i feel like time does not exist i feel like every day is different but every day is also the same um yeah. and like the only reason i know like what like when things are happening is because like i'm just like writing things down constantly i'm like google gallery constantly because and I was like never that person, but now I feel like I have mm-hmm. to be that person because like I need to like position myself in something. I don't know. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. I'm also like a, a always note taker kind of person. My notes app is an atrocious place. Yeah. Um, but I feel that need to like to like you said position yourself or locate yourself or just like get your bearing of like what's happening because every time I feel like I you know, log on to anything now or watch anything now, I'm like, I don't understand. This is actually too far away from my reality and I have no idea what's going on. So let me center myself somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, it just, I don't know. It just, it feels... It feels so bizarre, like, and it will never, like, it's, I guess it's also because, like, for my job, like, my job is basically just, like, reading things on the internet. (laughs) So, like, it's just, like, I feel like as a journalist at this point, it's just, like, you're, 
I don't even know. It's just like you're always up to here, like constantly in <laughs> what, like what is going on. <laughs> yeah. I have, um, re- I don't know why this has suddenly started being really funny to me, but when you're in Zoom and you go into a breakout room mm-hmm. and Zoom says, you are now in a breakout room. I think that is so funny <laughs> because I'm like, no, no, I'm not. Like, I'm not, I'm yeah. not anywhere. Like, this isn't a place. Yeah. Like, this isn't a, a conference room. Like, I haven't moved. Like, what is so different? Like, nothing has changed on my screen. I just think it's so, like... Yeah. You, you think about, um, like, in Wally when all of the humans are on the spaceship and they're only looking, they've only looked at their screens for, you know, a hundred years. And so they don't yeah. remember seeing other people, other people's faces. Like that's what's happening to us yeah. now. Like we're in Wally. A hundred percent. I feel like it's like the SpongeBob episode where like they're in like that nowhere place and it's just like all white <laughs> And there are these, like, colored tiles. And then, like, Squidward is, like, freaking out. Like, that's kind of how this feels. <laughs> alone, alone. Alone. Yeah. Like, and even that, I mean, to get back to what you were just saying, that is when, like, Squidward breaks the time machine and then ends up, like, in no place in time. And that that's where that's where he is. And also, that's where we are. Like, we yeah. are broken out of time and are, like... In, like, an external space. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, basically. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like that's... I mean, you guys are asking, like, what do I think about? Like, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about that SpongeBob (laughs) episode, like, all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That is so funny. Um... What is, what are you, I mean, this is a question that everyone is asking and mm-hmm. it's, it's answers seem to lie farther and farther away every time we ask it, but mm-hmm. what are you like when things start to exit a pandemic state, what are you, how does that change like your day to day? Like what is, mm-hmm. what are the things that you're looking to add back in? Like, what are you, how, how are you getting back into a Back into the time machine. <laughs> um, that's what that's, yeah. I mean, I think that I hope that my work stays remote after the pandemic, but I definitely want to go out to like events and like cultural things for sure. Like, I yeah. miss seeing art in person. I know I sound like such like coastal elite New York swine, <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, uh, I just, I miss the art. I want to see the art. I want to be with the art. I feel like Fran Lebowitz, like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Like, I, like, I miss seeing art in person. I miss going out to eat. I miss seeing, like, my friends. But do I want to, like, travel two hours out to Flushing to, like no like I just I want that to stay remote um I want my gigs to stay remote and luckily like my writing Mm. stuff will stay remote because like just with freelance writing for the most part like so many publications don't even didn't have offices before the pandemic 
And sure. like, yeah, like the places where I'm working for now, like don't like it's all on Slack. Like that is the office. <laughs> so like if I continue to work at the pace I'm working, I hope that I'm just going to be able to work from home. <laughs> um, but I want to go outside and do things. But it's also weird yeah. because when you think about it, it's like we're young, we're in our 20s, like and two years pass it's like, it's not like I'm going to go outside and things are going to go back to, like, this is, like, time has passed, you know? Like, I don't understand why people yeah. are, like, going back. It's not like we literally, like, hit the pause button on Spotify and then it's like, oh, wait, we're, we're hitting it again. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. things have happened. <laughs> the world is different. <laughs> the world is right. should be different. Like, we can't go back to normal. If we go back to normal, right. then we're just going to end up back here. Like, things need to change. <laughs> like clearly they need yeah. to change <laughs> like I also get really annoyed when like a lot of people like I feel like a lot of liberals are just sort of like oh well now that Biden's elected like yay us like no like <laughs> sweetie like if you think if you think that this is just gonna you know solve everything you have you should have another thing coming because a lot of things need to happen like there need to be, like, measures in place that obviously, like, can last beyond, like, a single administration, <laughs> you know? <laughs> there, was a, um, there was a tweet a little while ago that was getting a lot of ire that was, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> someone was, like, just as a reminder, we toppled a dictator. <laughs> and it's, like, no, we didn't. No. <laughs> like... <laughs> Nothing really, like, yeah, Trump is no longer in office. That's not nothing. But, like, nothing has particularly changed about, like, the the structures in place that, like, no. got us to that point. And no. even with Trump being out of office, it's like, that wasn't a toppling. You just elected somebody new. Like, he had a full term. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, That was just an election. Who? Like, we didn't throw anyone out of anything. No. <laughs> No. Or, like, even people calling, like, what happened at the Capitol, like, a coup. Like, no. Like, no. <laughs> Just stop using words if you don't know what they mean. <laughs> like, this is just, like... Like, what are... Like, I just don't... Like, and it's, like, I get it. Like, it's social media. It's, like, people just, like, sharing things and not thinking critically about what it is that they're trying to say. But people need to start thinking about, okay, what is it that you're trying to say? Because this is not it. Mm. <laughs> you know? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, that's Kenyon's whole thing. Kenyon loves that. <laughs> I mean, I love thinking. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> Um, but I also like, sometimes I find myself getting, getting trapped in that space. Um, especially like when making stuff. And I, what I'm Mm -hmm. hearing what you're saying about process a little bit too, is also just like, where is the space where maybe you're alone and you can like turn off a little bit of thinking and just let the process happen to you. Like you don't have to Mm -hmm. overthink that part of it. Um, right. Which is a balance. Mm -hmm. And I'm not very balanced. Oh Yeah. (laughs) I mean, who is? Like, I agree. Like, it affects everyone. Like, how could it not? (laughs) No one's above it. I'm not above it. That's for sure. (laughs) Do you feel like, as someone who writes, who is a critic and also a creator, do you feel, are those, like, separate parts of your brain? Are they very similar parts of your brain that are, like, 
is it is the critical voice that like you use with yourself the same thing that you use when looking at other people's stuff? Hmm. That is a good question. Um I don't know, like I'm always very interested about hearing about other people's processes, like what materials are you using? Like why did you um start doing like a certain thing like when you made art and like what what's going on like with the piece? Um you know, so I think that that's something I think about when I'm talking to people. I actually, like, was talking to, like, one of my mentors, and, like, I wrote a profile, and, and I, like, they thought I needed to do something else, and then, like, other people were telling me that, like, it was good, so I'm just trying to, like, filter, like, all of the information, because I feel like sometimes yeah. people give you so much feedback that it's, like, I don't really know what I'm doing, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm just trying to sort of kind of figure it out, Um but for me, I don't know. Like, I guess writing has always been, like, a means of, like, digesting different things um, and, like, talking to other people and learning about what they have to say and, like, what their thoughts are. So it's less of a me, like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm not necessarily trying to judge people, but it's more of a, like, okay, let's talk about what you're doing and, like, what is your background and, like, what are you interested in? Um, whereas when I'm writing it or like for myself, um, or like writing fiction or something like that, or if I'm making an art piece that feels more like, or at least I try to make it personal work unless it's like a commission and someone has asked me to do something or has asked me to make an illustration. Then it's more of a, like, this is an assignment. So the bigger distinction for me isn't necessarily even, I think writing an art, it's more of a, like, has someone assigned me to do this thing or is it something I'm trying to do for myself where I'm creating the project because that changes things a lot I think like the nature of you know because if it's like you're doing something on your own time like you don't feel pressed by a deadline um but yeah right and I feel like there's also a difference in audience like you know if you're writing something for um for work or something like that like you you have an idea of audience um, and with different pieces, like you might have different, you know, you might be writing to different or creating for different people or, or sets of people each time. Um, I'm, I'm curious mm -hmm. who, who you make for, if that's a, a question that even can be answered. Yeah, that, that is a good one. Um, hmm. And I guess it all, like the honest answer is that it depends on what I'm trying to do, right? Because I think that a lot of times when people talk, I guess this is also another thing that annoys me about like liberal arts education is because I feel like teachers, especially like creative writing teachers, I don't know how it is on the music end, you guys tell me, but like I feel like with creative writing teachers and art teachers, people are usually sort of like, what is the message of like your piece? And you need to think about like what your intentions are and like, how is this thing created? And like, where did you put the paint like stroke? Right. Or like, why did you use this word instead of that one? Or like, why is there an Oxford comma here? Like something like, like very sort of nitty gritty technical things. But the thing that people don't prepare you for is that sort of like in the real world, right? Like not everybody's going to look at your work. Not everybody cares about you. You know, like, you're just sort of, like, a cog. Like, no one is, like, obligated to, like, pay any attention to you at all. 
Um, and I also think that like they don't really pay, they don't really talk about okay, what does your life actually look like if you want to make this into a career? It's sort of all, like, very abstracted. Like, we're just, like, brains and vats, and we're talking about what it is we're making. But there are a lot of, like, practical aspects to being a creative. Like, you have to set your own schedule. You have to think about how are you going to time things. And, like, that's kind of true in school, but the nature of it's a little bit different because the projects are a little bit more involved and, like— I feel like there's not always the expectation that you're going to publish something every single time you hand in a school assignment and you're like staying up pulling an all-nighter in the library. You know, like it's not, it's a different, it's it's a very different mode of working. And sometimes you actually get more time to work on your own projects, which I'm enjoying because I don't think I could make fiber pieces like when I was an undergrad because it would just take too long. And you're literally like required to poop out things at an un, yeah. unreal pace, I mm. think, <laughs> um, when you're yeah. an undergrad. But I also do think that, like, that is definitely true for me in writing. Like, I'm required to, like, just produce things at, like, an unreal pace if I'm just, like, you know, constantly sort of doing it every day. But I also do think that, like, you know, if I want to, I'll have the opportunity to, like, sort of sit down and think about, okay, what is, like, a project that I want to create because I'm not, like, running around campus, like, trying to find free food or whatever, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, like, <laughs> sitting in WLH. Like, I don't know. Like, I just, I feel like you both have more time and less time as an adult, which is kind of, like, a paradox, but it's, it's, I don't know, it's just, like, very true to me that, like, I have both more time and less time, and I, it just annoys me that, like, teachers don't really sort of say, like, this is what you need to do if you want to, like, pitch to somewhere, or, like, this is what you need to do if you want to, like, make art as a living, like, this is what your studio, you know, and obviously, like, it's different for everyone, but I kind of hate that, like, some liberal arts colleges are so so much in the vein of like, we must not be vocational. We must be about the mind. Mm-hmm. And that's just like annoying. Like that's just exclusive, <laughs> like inherently exclusive. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And like there, there's a body around this thing. <laughs> like this, yeah. this mind is inside of a, a thing. Yeah. It's called a person. The person is me. I'm the person. Um, yeah. I feel like so much about, well, in, in terms of like what particularly like the musical theater composition world, not Mm -hmm. a, not a huge one at Yale, but in, in terms of my experience there that like, there was, I think a little bit more of the vocational element. Um, but there's, it it gets distilled in a way that's like mm-hmm. that takes it out of it, you know. Mm-hmm. That like mm. it the, it gets layered on top of. It, I I think that it doesn't trade off for okay. Well, it's less about like the mind and the independent thought and look at what my brain can do. <laughs> it's like on top of that, and so all of a sudden, mm-hmm. like you find yourself in a classroom in front of a bunch of people, and like you're pitching to them. <laughs> And you're, you know, you're trying to 
there, there's almost a show-offy element and you have to mm-hmm. make sure that they get it and you also have to like place it in a historical context of like, yeah, well, obviously I'm making a reference to this thing and I'm thinking about how it sounds like this and it's still complex <laughs> enough to keep you engaged and like it's all, it's this, it becomes another ball in that juggling act mm-hmm. um, to the point where like, you know, I don't think that it, it, I've, I found myself so, so, distracted from like you know in what you said no one has to listen like it's great that we're sitting in this class mm-hmm. talking to each other and listening to each other's work but like how how much is this really getting me toward like making mm-hmm. stuff that other people want to listen to because mm-hmm. when i'm not in this class nobody has to listen to my shit and no. so it regardless of if it is you know if it is showing off my brain enough or if it is enough independent thought or if it is you know, well situated in a historical context, like uh, all that stuff to varying degrees is important, but like it is the thing good. Like let's <laughs> like let's take a step back. Like, is it good? Like, can I do it? Like, can I make it sustainably, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Yeah. Is it good? What does good mean? Right. And I guess that that also sort of sounds like, oh, I'm a lofty academic, like whatever. But <laughs> like seriously, like I don't know, like like does good just mean it's like weird and quirky and is only like appealing to like these random academics, or does it mean like it has like popular value, which seems to also be like I don't know, like I I think it's like sometimes like people just have like this visceral disgust. I don't like I again like you can speak to this more specifically in music cuz like it sounds like you're saying that like they talk about like what is the real world, but like is it the real world for them or is it like the real world mm-hmm. for you? You know. Right. Right. <laughs> I think that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, and I think that there's also a um there's like an aversion to things being popular Mm -hmm. because it's like, well, popular means commercial and commercial means that it's Mm -hmm. less valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, you know, there is value in something that a lot of people like. And like, not just in a commercial, like if there's something that like a lot of people resonate with, like, isn't that supposed to be a good thing? Like, isn't that supposed to be the thing that we're (laughs) trying to get after in the first place? Yeah. Like, why isn't it dirty word? Popularity. (laughs) Right. I don't know. I keep thinking back to something that you said a a bit ago, Jerome. Like, how do I make it sustainably? And I feel like I -hmm. definitely hear what you're saying, Isis. Like, good, what does that mean? Good for who? Good according to whose standards? Um, And Mm -hmm. I don't know. More and more, I'm trying to make things that, like, address needs that I have or that I see other people have. And, like, uh, don't call it good Mm -hmm. or bad, but, like, is this something that, like, you know, contributes something? And I think those things can often be exactly Mm -hmm. like you're saying, those really popular things, those things that engender joy that people, Mm -hmm. you know, come around and create community around. Um, But not always. Sometimes the popular things, because of the culture that we live in, are terrible. That They actually uh, go Mm -hmm. against needs that we have. Um, Yeah. So, I don't know. It's, It's hard to hold all of these things. And and sometimes it's right. like I can't hold them all while I'm just trying to make mm-hmm. it. Let me come to it after. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, like, I don't want to also sound like I'm saying, like, oh, everything popular is good. Because I also don't think that's true. And, like, I have a lot of 
issues with, like, social media culture and, like, this whole likes and, you know, getting as many people to pay attention to something as possible. But I guess the thing that I'm sort of taking issue with is just, like, this automatic, like, visceral reaction in academic spaces to anything that is considered popular. Like, this Mm -hmm. sort of, like, aversion to Kish or, like, aversion to you know, anything that could appeal to a mass audience, like, that's a dirty word, you know? (laughs) Just, like, by virtue of the fact that it is popular is what I don't like. But, yeah, like, I hate a lot of aspects of popular culture, like, especially, like, when you talk about things like representation um, and, like, how we're, like, seeing a lot more representation, like, just to put in the context of, like, the Black community, right, like, I feel like, yes, like, more stories are being told, but then I look back at certain things, like, I don't know, like, you look back at certain other eras, like, the 90s and the 70s and the Black Power era and, like, that form of representation and, like, how that has, like, its pitfalls, right? But you also do, you know, see some advantages, right? Like, I mean, like, even the way that people wore their hair, right? Or, like, the types of Blackness that you saw represented, like, you know, seeing people that, sort of fully appear as, like, Black, like, unquestionably, right? Like, in such great numbers, I think, like, is a is a big thing for me, right? And, I mean, like, I think we've regressed in certain ways, right? Because then it just, bec- yeah, like, yeah. now a lot of it's also about selling things, um, which I don't necessarily know if I agree with. And it's a popular thing, right? But I don't know if that's, like, a good thing. I, I feel like it's so connected to what we were talking about, about the internet, mm-hmm. that like the internet before used to be like, you know, like we were talking about, it was a, a space to find like that really great niche of like, yeah, like these are people that I know, or we care about the same thing and we can just talk about that and it's cool and fun. And like, that's what it's for. Right. As opposed to now, like that, that social media platforms have become these spaces that like specifically like, are engineered to promote a a one specific thing that is going to get the most clicks from the most people that see it, mm-hmm. um, and that that's total like that's totally different. Like that's that is trying to you know it's it's taking something and trying to like recreate the same result but out of a totally different direction, mm-hmm. like out of something that becomes very manufactured as opposed to like you know, what do people gravitate toward? Like, what do people like? Like, what do, what do people enjoy talking about? Instead, it's like, hmm, how do we, <laughs> how do we get people to keep this app open as long as, as long as possible uh, based on what is less likely to make someone close that? Like, that's just a totally different <laughs> yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, it's, it's kind of frightening. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know, like, I also think about, like, the youth (laughs) and, like, what is their experience with it? Like, TikTok? Like, I don't know. (laughs) Are you on TikTok? You know what? Yesterday I finally broke down and I said, you know what? Wow. (laughs) I'm just going to log in (laughs) with my Facebook account. I just want to poke around and see. But, like, I don't think I'm going to post anything on TikTok, but... I mean, I feel like I see so many TikToks from, like, Twitter and Instagram right. that it's like, I want to go to the horse's mouth. Like, I want to just see it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What is- I, no middleman. I'm so afraid that, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I'm so afraid that I will download TikTok and then never see another person in real life. <laughs> that like it will be the final straw that like I I will never again look up from my phone if I download. It's going TikTok. to turn you into that Wally computer person. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> exactly. No. Yeah, no, it's not on my phone. I just look at it on desktop, but um, okay. I think I'm gonna have some some boundaries, but <laughs> uh, I don't know. I want to before we let you go. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I've got to ask you. I mean, and this is this segues pretty well, nicely. Um, you and I have spent a lot of time talking about uh, our favorite kind of old dumpster dive YouTube videos. Um, <laughs> I want to hear like if there's if there's anything in particular that you've been revisiting that like really really has been carrying you through these these recent times. Um I I don't know. Like I feel like I've just been watching so much old like I think I went through a phase where I was just like watching old stuff like Kim Possible or like <laughs> like that sort of thing. Like someone was posting like the Proud Family theme the other day, and I was just like, <laughs> "Wow, yes, it's the best you know? theme song. It's one of the best theme songs." Yeah, I, I mean, it's the question mark only Beyonce Solange collab in existence. Like, what's up with that? I don't know. I feel like Beyonce is a hard person to be a sister with. That's for sure. I agree. And I also feel like Solange is like the perfect. I I feel like Solange just is so like talented and like strongly assertively like this. It like this is my thing. This is what I'm going for. Like, it's really good. It's for the people who get it. If you don't get it, I don't give a fuck. Like, don't listen. Yeah. Um, And that's fierce. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't understand, like, why that's the only thing they've done together. I mean, there's definitely, like, some tension in that relationship, I think. Like, look, I mean, look at the elevator video. Like, come on now. Famously. Come on. Like, how could there not be? Like, imagine having Beyonce as your sister. You know? <laughs> it would be I'm difficult. It. it would be difficult. <laughs> and you also wanted to sing? Right. That's tough. Like, that's tough. <laughs> like, what? And you're the younger one. Like, I don't know. Like, it just seems like it's hard for them. Right. But they also seem close. Right. Beyonce has been doing this for, I mean, both of them. Like, their dad was like, okay, so both of you will be singers. (laughs) Like, we're going to do this. And so Beyonce has been, you know, a singer since the day she was born. Like, has been doing it forever. So there, like, isn't a time when... Salon just like, ooh, it looks like Beyonce's like gonna go into that. Like, maybe I should go into that. It just like was always that way. Mm-hmm. That's kind of crazy. I think that at some point they'll they'll come around with with, you know, a gorgeous album together. I think we might have to wait some decades for it, but when it happens, <laughs> it'll be great. I'm waiting for it. I'm here for the long haul. You're holding out hope. 
And I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love hope. <laughs> yeah. I hope so, too. <laughs> Isis, thank you for coming onto the show, coming onto the pod. Um, yeah. I Are there... Will I'll ask you later. This will have mm-hmm. already happened in the past for people listening, but... <laughs> Um, to send some stuff that we can throw on our Instagram so people can can see what you're up to. And then where can, like, people follow you and find you on the internet? Yeah. Yeah, no, thank you guys for asking me to do this. It's such an honor. (laughs) We love that you love we love that. This podcast is brought to you by Jerome, that's me, and Kenyon, that's him. With music by Sophia Campomore and art by Griffin Keller. Drop us a line at we love that podcast at gmail.com. Bye. Three, two, one. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. We love that. <laughs> exactly. Beautiful. You've already caught on. 